But uh, as I gave away, we have uh, a new speaker in the house tonight. Pastor Caleb is coming up to release the word. All right, yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. All right. All right. How's everybody doing? You guys look good. All right. Well, my name is Caleb Lee. Uh, I'm the, the men's furnace coach or the furnace pastor, I guess, here at New Philadelphia Church Hillside. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've been coming to this church for the past four and a half years now. I'm engaged to Mina Chor, who's the administrator. Uh, right now, she, like uh, Pastor J.M. just said, that she's picking up uh, uh, Sonny Robinson, Pastor Sonny Robinson, from um, the airport. And, like, when somebody like John Westfall asks you for a ride from the airport, that's like a burden, you know? You're like, man, I don't want to pick you up. Well, why I got to pick you up? But when somebody like, you know, Sonny Robinson needs a ride, that's an opportunity. Because, man, when are you going to get, like, one-on-one time like that with somebody that's so anointed? And, and she can't go nowhere. Like, she can't just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm tired of speaking to you. I'm going to go. But she's gonna, she has to sit next to you. And they're going all the way to Dejan. So, um, yeah, I think Mina's going to have just a great time. I really wanted her to be here. But, uh, you know, she's got to do what she's got to do. I want to just give a shout-out. She's going to listen to this on the podcast. I love you. Uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry you couldn't be here, but I'm going to do my best. All right. So um, I was born in Korea. I, I immigrated to the States when I was, like, six years old. I lived in L.A. This is my testimony in, like, one minute. I can do it. So uh, I lived in L.A. almost all my life. I got really disillusioned with L.A. because L.A. really sucks to live in. And so I started doing a lot of drugs. And drugs make you do a lot of stupid things. So one day I did a lot of stupid things. And, like, police cars were involved. Helicopters were involved. I went to jail. And I was in, I was in prison for, like, four years. They realized I wasn't a citizen of America. They kicked me out. I came here. Right? I started coming to JSCM, which was New Philly back in the days. I got uh, delivered, redeemed, set free. You know, it's all that good stuff. And now I stand before you today preaching here. And uh, honestly... I just want to, that's like less than a minute, right? That's my testimony. Like, it doesn't get, that's, that's, that's about, that's about all there is to my testimony. But God has redeemed every bad thing, every wrong decision, every stupid thing that I have ever done in my life. He's redeemed everything for my good. I mean, he's good. He's good. And this is my first sermon here at New Philly. I know there's a lot of grace here, a lot of love. I know that, you know, even if the sermon goes a little long, you know, it's going to be all right. Because, uh. I only see what the father does. And the father of this house has some long sermon. He's not here right now, which is good. I'm kind of happy about that. Um, yeah, and he's also offensive. I, too, am offensive. And, uh, and if I say anything heretical, JM's here to kind of kick me off the stage. So I hope that's not it. But I'm just going to go right into it. The passage for today comes from Hebrew, chapter 12. Verse 25 to 29. So if you can turn to Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 25 to 29. Okay? Say amen when, if you're there. Amen. All right. So I'm just going to read, go right into it. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less 
Will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Amen. I'm just going to say a short prayer for us. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to speak to such wonderful people. Um, I know that I am just a chubby, empty vessel for you to speak through, God. And I stand before you, Lord, just humbled, knowing that it is not my words that are coming out of my mouth, but it is the Holy Spirit, Lord. And in that, there's so much peace and grace, Lord. So we thank you for today. I just pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to just be upon all of us right now, that we will accept and we will be able to catch the words that you're speaking to us, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So the beginning of my message today is going to sound a little bit similar to what Pastor Christian was speaking at the Breakthrough Conference yesterday. Uh, it's not because I copied him. Um, it's not, and it's not coincidence, because I believe that it's, it's because the word... That, uh, that I have for, that God has for you today is a word that He really wants us to catch. And it's a word that God's want, God's, God wants His people to grasp at this hour. And that word is shaking. Okay. Brothers and sisters, do you believe that God is shaking things up at this hour? You know, if you take a good look at, at what's happening around the world, you'll notice that there's a lot of shaking going on. You know, we've heard Pastor Christian talk about at joint prayer meeting all the natural disasters that's happened in the past a few years. And so I did a I did some research and I, I checked out this blog and they said they said that in the year two thousand and one in two thousand and eleven, hundred and four natural disasters and unexplained circumstances have occurred. And it's only November. You know, and, and I think yesterday or today there was another uh, earthquake in Japan. And if you see what's happening in the world, there's a lot of shaking that's going on. Um, it doesn't stop there. In the social economic world God's really shaking things up. The United States at once was considered the number one superpower. However, in this post-Cold War era, with such a complex global economic uh, market structure and rising interdependence amongst nations and economies, the concept of a superpower no longer exists. Now, it's all about who has the more money, you know, who has more wealth. And at one time, when, um, when America was, was the number one economic power in this world, with the onset of recession, with a, and a, and a collapsed financial market, increase in unemployment, the, the America isn't the isn't the financial powerhouse it, it was at one point. You know, and all, a lot of the the wealth and a lot of the prosperity that used to be over America and in the in the West is moving to the East. It's coming to China and to Asia, and and as this this is moving. It's bringing a lot of shaking to the people of America. And it doesn't, really, it doesn't stop there. In the Middle East, they have the revolutions in countries like Egypt, Syria, and, and, and Tunisia. I was going to say Tanzania. Tunisia. <laughs> people are getting more and more dissatisfied with the status quo in these countries. And they're crying out for change. And it's really shaking things up. Israel is shaking. Israel finds itself in a global arena that's growing more and more pro-Islam, and more and more anti-Semitic. You know, recently, Palestine got entrance to the UNESCO. 
It stands for United Nations Education, Science, and Cultural Organization. And experts say that this is just the first step in Palestine uh, getting, gaining interest into the United Nations. Uh, Israel is surrounded by nations that are quickly rising up in power and is bent on its utter destruction. And you might say, well, this has always been happening to Israel. They've always been like this. But you know what? If you look at the times, it's getting worse and worse for what's happening over there in Israel. God is shaking things up. If you look at the situation that the world is in, there's no denying that the birth pains of the end times have started. Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Amen. But don't worry. I'm not going to preach on eschatology. I'm not going to preach about the end times, about going out in the streets with signs saying the end is here. I'm going to leave that up to Pastor Paul. All right? I was actually going to do an impression of Pastor Paul. I do a pretty good one. But, man, homeboy is mad. He's mad jacked. You know? He might beat me up if he hears this. So I'm not going to do it. So, so, so what's your stance on eschatology? I don't know if you know Pastor Paul, but he got the eyebrows. The... I love Pastor Paul. Although this passage from Hebrew is referring to signs of the end times, I feel, I feel that it also refers to the personal shaking that happens in our lives. If we read verses 26 to 28, if we go, go back to 26, At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom. A kingdom. Who is the kingdom of God? It's us. You know? A kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. Who believes in here that there's going to be shaking in our lives? Adrian, if you think there's shaking. Man. Some Christians believe that just because we're God's children, that there's not going to be any shaking that happens in our lives. That it's going to be smooth sailing right on up to heaven. And that might be true if you're a, if you're a Christian that's playing it safe. But if you're out there in true obedience to God, practicing in the move, practice, participating in the moves of God, establishing His kingdom on this earth, I believe that there will be shaking in your lives. Brothers and sisters, it's because we are His children that there's going to be shaking in our lives. The passage right before this, it talks about how God disciplines the one He loves. And as His children, we have to expect shaking. There's going to be times in our lives where the things in our lives that we thought were, were unshakable will get shaken. There will be moments where we feel like our very foundation is being rocked. You know, growing up in California, uh, I've been through my fair share of earthquakes. Who's been through an earthquake before? Yeah, all y'all from California. Um, yeah, I've I, I been through a lot of earthquakes. I remember the first earthquake that i ever been through. I was like, I was in elementary school because I was waiting for the school bus. So when you're in middle school, you, take, you ride your bike. Only chumps ride the school bus. But in elementary school, you have to ride the school bus. So like you, you wait in, in front of this house and the school bus comes and picks you up. I remember me and my friend David Cook, we're sitting outside. You know, we're the only ones that get picked up at this particular stop. So, you know, we had to be friends. It's just two of us. <laughs> And so we were just kicking it, and then all of a sudden, the ground starts to shake. And it was like 8 in the morning, and we were waiting for the school bus. And then, I guess David's been through earthquakes before, because he just booked. He was like, bam, gone. I'm like, where'd he go? But I was sitting out there alone, I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh. So I just grabbed the telephone pole that's right there. 
And I remember the sound that I made. I clearly remember the sound that I made. It was like, uh, uh, and then it stopped. It just stopped out of nowhere. Brothers and sisters, when, when things start shaking, you try to hold on to something that you think is unshakable. And when we look at the passage in verse 27, it tells us that when God brings the shaking, it's for a purpose. He doesn't just shake us for the, for the sake of shaking us. Like, shake, shake, shake. I shook you, you know. <laughs> I'm going to shake you. Ha ha. That's not what God's about. When he shakes us, the word of God says that it is to reveal the things that cannot be shaken. The things that we can hold fast to, for even though they may be shaken, they will remain standing. What are the things in your life that you believe are unshakable? What are the things that you put your trust in? Things that you believe will endure throughout the shaking. Is it money? Wealth? Finance? If it is, you're in for disappointment. Money will not save you when the shaking comes. You're going to fall. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty-eight, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 says... He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This, is all, this, is, this also is vanity. When true shaking comes, your money can't save you. It's just going to crumble like everything else. And some of you believe that education, your education is going to pull through when the shaking comes. You know, But I'm here to tell you that it's not. When the true shaking comes, your education will mean nothing. And some of you... What's up, Anna? How you doing? Uh, some of you are thinking, well, you know, man, you don't know what you're talking about. I went to an Ivy League school. I went to Harvard, sucker. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know nothing. But look what's happening in the United States right now. Unemployment is at 9%. And if you don't know, average rate of unemployment in America for the past like 40 years has been a little bit over 5%. This has doubled this past year. My, my cousin John... He used to come out to New Philly a long time ago. He graduated from Cornell, and he, you know, he used to work with John Michael. And uh, I'm going to put him on blast because he's not here. But uh, he, he graduated from Cornell. Years later, he got a master's at Brandeis, the school that Lisa went to uh, in, like, uh, business administration. And then last year, he went, to, he went back to New York to get a job. And still to this day, he has not found a job. You know Why? Because the people in front of them that are, that are waiting for the job interviews went to Harvard and Yale. And even them, they don't have jobs. And, and, and these people that graduated from these top schools, they're struggling to get jobs. Their education, when true shaking comes, it, it means nothing. Some of you think it's going to be your career, your job, your skills, what I can do with my hands, my abilities. But I'm here to tell you that all of these things is going to be meaningless when true shaking comes upon your life, what are the things in your life that you think are unshakable? And are they really unshakable? Or will they crumble when the real shaking comes? Church, what are the things in your life that will remain standing? Like I mentioned before, when God brings a shaking, it's for a purpose, it's for a reason, so that the things that cannot be shaken can remain. It goes on to say that, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The author is talking about established kingdom things that are not made by hand, but that God establishes in you through your obedience 
that will remain standing throughout the tribulations in your life. I believe that when God shakes you, it's to reveal these established things. And moreover, it's so that you can see these established things in your life. So what are these things? And I'm here to tell you that I have a 12-point message for you today. 12 things that you need to establish in your life for when shaking happens. 12. I'm just playing. So when I went to Steve Chua's, uh, the first day of Steve Chua's, like, like the thing when it was at Harvest Shalom Church, and he was like, oh, I have, I have a message about wisdom. It's a 12-port message. And I was like, 12? Lord, when am I going to go home? And he was, on, he was on point three, and an hour had passed. And I was like, oh, grace. I have three points. Three, three points and a response. To the things that we need to establish in our lives when true shaking comes. Number one, your faith in God. Such a simple answer. It's like, you know, Bible class. Every answer, Jesus, <laughs> faith, love. Your faith in God, such a simple answer. But when true shaking comes, will, faith, will your faith in God endure? Or is it going to crumble just like everything else? Is your faith in the Lord going to stay standing? Or are you going to start playing the blame game? God, why are you doing this to me? What did I do? Is it my fault? What's, what's going on? Don't you love me anymore? When things start shaking, are you going to start putting your faith in, in the Lord? Or are you going to start clinging to your, your money, your possession, your abilities to save you? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, I actually want you guys to turn to Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's a, one chapter behind. You guys are already on Hebrews 12. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When everything you believe to be stable gets all topsy-turvy, are you going to have the assurance of the things hoped for and have the conviction to remain steadfast in the Lord? Will you have assurance in the character of God that even though everything looks all crazy right now, that this... That things are shaking all around you to be able to maintain the conviction that God is good. The level of faith that we are able to attribute to the Lord is in relation to the understanding we have about the character and the nature of God. I'm going to say that one more time. Where is it? There you go. The level of faith that we are able to attribute to the Lord is in relation to the understanding we have about the character and the nature of God. That He is loving that He is for us and never against us. That He will meet all of our needs and more. That He will never let us go. It's His nature to be good. It's His nature to be loving. It's His nature to work everything out for the good, for those who, what? Put their faith in Him and love Him. He cannot be for us. That's a double negative. He can't not be for us if we put our trust in Him. I mentioned earlier that I was in prison. I know some of you guys are expecting some prison stories. But my prison stories are pretty, they're pretty not edifying. So no prison stories. But I do have an analogy that I wanted to use. So when you hear that I'm 36 years old, you tell yourself, what? This cannot be. He looks so young. And I know that I look pretty young for my age. And I believe that it's because when you're, because uh, your aging process slows down when you're in prison. 
Okay, hear me out. So I was locked up for like four years. And in, in that four years, I really had no stress in my life. Very little stress. I know that you guys picture prison as this really dangerous place where you always got to look, you know, watch your back. You know, people all have to, to, to bad, do bad things to you in the shower. That's true in higher level prisons where they got murderers and rapists and people like that that are doing life in prison. But I was in a level one prison, okay? Level one prison is for like drug dealers, you know, pimps, people that get caught for petty theft. You know, if you, if you shoplift long enough in California, they send you to prison. And it's for like eight months. And if you get like caught shopping like four or five, a lot of people are like, what are you here for? Petty theft. Man, you're stupid. Should have dealt drugs. And life, and life in a low-level prison is, is pretty kickback, is cake, okay? Yeah, you're not free to go around to do whatever you want to do. You know, you're not, you can't go to the 7-Eleven, get a Slurpee and a Slim Jim, okay? But all the stress and the drama that you would face out in the real world with jobs, bills, traffic jams, credit cards, all of this, the everyday stress that comes from living out in the free world is no longer on you. And all you have to do is wake up, drink some coffee, chop it up with your friends. Chop it up means like chat. In Korean, it means sudatoro. And gangsters sudatoro all the time, man. Talk a lot. You eat your breakfast, go work out, play some basketball, go drink some wine with the homies that they made with, grape ju- with uh, orange juice and sugar. You, know? you chop it up some more, watch The Price is Right, because you got to watch The Price is Right. Watch some Oprah, because you got to watch Oprah. And you, you head over to the child hall for dinner, eat dinner, talk to your friends, watch, watch some late night TV, and you go to sleep. It is cake. If you, li- if, you, if you live like this seven days a week for about four years, I'm telling you, you don't age much. Right? You age very slowly because I ain't got no stress on me. That's why I look so young, you know? But that's not the point I'm trying to get at here. But if you think about it, prison, in America at least, is the only place in society where a grown man is guaranteed three meals a day, clothes to wear, and a place to sleep. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to work. You don't have nothing. It comes to you. It's guaranteed. That's, that's what constitutes a prison. They have to feed you, they have to clothe you, and they got to shelter you, as long as you're a prisoner. And when you, when you stop being a prisoner, they ain't going to do none of that for you. But as long as you're a prisoner, they feed you, they clothe you, they sell to you. You know, there was a riot one time. It happened before breakfast. And so a riot, when a riot happens, they shut everything down, lock down, everything, everybody, you know, on your beds. And just, you, got, you can't move. You sit there, watch some TV. Because you, you get your own TV. I, I, I have my own TV. I have my own TV. You watch, you watch some TV. But you can't leave your bed. You can't leave your bunk because like, it's on lockdown, right? And I remember, because they, they didn't give us breakfast. They didn't give us lunch. Everybody's getting hungry. But then we all have, like, food in our locker that we buy. So we're not really hungry. No, we, we eat, like, smoked oysters and, like, Cheetos and whatnot. But then, but then, like, but then, like you get, around dinner time, they, they just came by. And when you're in lockdown, it's, it's pretty crazy because, like, nothing happens in the whole entire prison. Everybody just, just sits there. Nothing moves. And around 5 o'clock, what happened was they came around. They gave each of us three sack lunches. And you're asking why they got to, why, why three? Why not just one? But it's because they missed our breakfast, they missed our lunch, 
And they're guaranteed. They have to feed you three meals a day. Even if you don't want it, you got to go. Even if it's like bean day, you have to eat it. You know, you don't have to eat it, but they have to at least serve it to you. They have to feed you. That's the, that's, that's a guaranteed fact. That's the nature of what a prison is. And I know this is a pretty whacked analogy to compare to God. But in a way, the same principles apply. If you put your faith in the Lord, God has to be for you. It's His nature. If you're called to His purpose, okay, He can't act outside of His character. It's impossible for Him to act outside of His character. So He has to work all things out for your good. He has to be for you. Brothers and sisters, how is your faith in the Lord? Do you have the right faith that is based on the correct understanding of the nature of God's character? Verses like Joshua 1.9, Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am sure, verse 38, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor prince for nor things present, nor past, or this, or that, or that, or all these other things can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 8, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. If your faith is, is your faith based on the correct understanding of who God truly is? Is it birthed from a place of intimacy? Trying to increase faith, Without intimacy, is like me dating Mina and only talking to her once a week. But in, but in that one, one day, it's all about you and me, girl. It's just, just you and me, once a week. But not really because uh, Jufeld's there. John Newfeld and Nita. So it's just going to be the four of us. It's going to be four of us and maybe John Westfall. Maybe Megan, maybe Marcus. It's just going to be you, me, and a hundred other people, but that's it. We're going to be intimate. And you can't have a kind of relationship like that and expect to build the kind of trust it takes for a woman to marry you. And it's the same with your faith. How is your faith in the Lord? Is it birthed from a place of intimacy and prayer? And will it be able to withstand the shaking when it comes? So the second thing you need to establish in your life is the Word of God. The Bible! Another easy answer! So easy! But is the Word of God established in your life? Or is it something that sits on your desk till Sunday morning? Do you believe that this is true? That it's the very Word of God given to us by Him? That it's the living Word? Pastor Aaron preached a message not too far back. It was called Mirror to Mirror. And it really, really shook and rocked a lot of us. And as she said that the Word of God is the true reflection of who we are. And not what, it, what we see in the natural well, I'm just a nobody. I don't got a job. I don't, got a, I don't have a girlfriend. I got nothing going for me. I'm ugly. <laughs> but the word of God says that you're royalty. That the son of God himself gave his life and died on the cross for your sins. He says that you're, you're precious. Which is the true reflection of who you are? Is the word of God established in your life Deeply, so deeply that even though the world around you is shaking, even though everything you know is going all crazy, flip, turn, upside down, will you choose to not dwell upon your circumstances and to choose to hold fast to the Word of God? Everything in the natural says one thing, but the Word of God says another. 
which will you believe? Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Meaning the sky, not sky becker, but the sky, and even the ground that you're standing on can crumble and disappear, but the word of God will remain. The word of God can endure and remain standing after any and all shaking that the world can bring. bring. And, I'm, and I'm asking you is, you, is it established in you? Will you be able to hold fast to the word of God when the shaking comes? Is it a discipline? Is it rooted? Has the roots gone in deep? The third thing that you need established in your life when the shaking comes is relationship. When the shaking happens, who will stand with you? Will there be trustworthy men and women who will, who will persevere and endure with you, or will you, or will you be standing alone? And I guess the real question isn't, will there be trustworthy people to stand with you? But the real question is, have you been living a life of love and sacrifice so that the trustworthy people are willing to stand with you? In order to have trustworthy people, you have to be trustworthy yourself. Some of you are thinking, man, I don't need nobody. It's just about you and me, God. But that's not true. It's about relationship. And it's always been about relationship. God made us relational beings. We're relational because He's relational. And we're made in His image. He exists three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're always constantly in relation with one another. That same aspect of who He is is a part of who we are. And we are relational. When God made Adam, He said, it's not good for him to be alone. Why? Because God made him relational. Jesus gave us two commandments. Love God and love people. Why? Because we need God and we need people. How are the relationships in your life? Are they based on trust and mutual edification or is it all about you? You know, like, I've been dating Mina for a little while. We're engaged. But long before me and Mina ever dated, we lived right by each other in Sadan. She used to live, like, right behind my house. Literally, it was like a two-minute walk. And in that time, there was a lot of favors that I had to do for Mina. She would call me at all hours of the day. This is in our wedding website, by the way, if you want to check it out. Our story. At all hours of the day, she would call me and say, Oh, can you help me move my car? No? And she's like, Oh, can you bring this? I used to work right by church. She's like, Could you bring this home from church? Can you do this for me? You know? One day she called me at like crack of dawn. Like, I think it was like 6, 7 in the morning. She's like, Can you wait for the tow truck guy? Because the van's not starting. And I was like, You know what time it is? It's Saturday. She's like, Oh, I got to go to work. I was like, and she's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll just wait. Is he going to call me? He's like, no, you got to wait inside the car until, the tr- until he comes. I was like, what? <laughs> but I did it. Why? Because she's my friend. And I knew at the time, I had a lot of respect for Mina. I, I saw her, the, 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 the sacrifice that she puts into the church. And so I sat out there. And somehow, I don't know what happened, but that day, I, I waited for the tow truck guy. And then somehow I picked everybody up at, at Yangje and then... And then I ended up going to Monica and Roberto's house. And somehow I ended up cleaning their bedroom because the baby was being born. <laughs> and I didn't know how it happened, but it started with a phone call at 7 in the morning saying, can you wait for the tow truck guy? <laughs> but then throughout all of our interactions, throughout all of our friendships, there was a trust that was born. I mean, And then I remember one day she was coming down the wrong way on a one-way street with the van. And she... 
don't know if I, yeah, I'm allowed to say this. She hit a, she hit a police car. And then she was like freaking out. And then she called me. And she's like, uh, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I just, I just thought I should call you. I just hit a police car and came out of the car and told me to come to the police station. And I was like, oh, they're there. <laughs> but then she would, she would tell me. She told me, like, I don't know why I called you. I don't know why I called you. And then, like, then when I moved out of Sadang, I moved to Mule. And a month later, she followed me. She moved in, like, like five minutes away from my house. I don't know why. It just works out that way. And then one day, it was, it was dead of winter again. Mad cold. I'm in my bed. I'm ready to, like, watch some TV. I get this phone call saying, the lock on my door won't work. Can you come and help me? And I was like, you know how cold it is outside? It's like January. I'm in bed. I'm going I'm to... I'm going to watch some TV. And she's like, I don't know why I called you. But I just, whenever I'm in trouble, I just seem to call you. And it's because we had developed, a, like, a trust between us. With all the interactions that we, that we were in and all the, all the conversation and all the times that we spent together, we had developed a trust. Single brothers. There's a lot of you guys out here telling you it's not about the way you look. It's not about the type of job you have. It's about being trustworthy. I think it's three things. You gotta be trustworthy, you gotta be sweet, and you gotta be thoughtful. Right? It's those three things, man. Man. A girl is not gonna let you let you kiss her unless she trusts you. You know, it's not about being cute, David O. You know? Just because you're cute doesn't mean she's gonna let you trust. What I'm saying is, she, she gotta be able to trust you with her heart. Sorry about that, David. Well, you are cute, dude. You gotta mean. Man. As a one good looking man, I just gotta say, whoever marries you is a lucky woman. Brothers and sisters. I, I, I believe that a key word at this hour for this house is loyalty. In this year of intimacy and family, it's all leading up to something. All this intimacy has to go somewhere. It's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm your friend. You're my friend. We're getting closer. I like you. You like me. You know? But it's got to lead somewhere. And what is, what, I feel that what it's leading us to is, is loyalty. I feel that in this last two months of the year of intimacy... Some of us are feeling like we're missing something. And it feels like, like so, so, that we haven't really caught everything that we were supposed to catch. And I, feel, I believe that what that is that some of you guys are missing is loyalty. But you know what? Anointing flows from the top down. And I just, I'm just here to tell you guys, man. Loyalty flows from this house, from the top down. You guys might know, know everything, but man, loyalty flows from the top down in this church. And you guys, you guys just got to catch it. You got to catch it. It's a natural progression of intimacy is loyalty. You start dating someone. You get more and more intimate. And eventually, she's going to want loyalty from you. She's going to want commitment. And the funny thing about loyalty is, in order for you to get loyalty, you have to have loyalty. Are the friendships in your life, and I'm not talking about the people that you just meet here and there, that you, you become close with, but I'm talking about friendships that have been ordained by God. And I think God ordains your friendships. True friendships, lifelong friendships, are, are from God. 
Are you investing into them? Are you sowing into them? With, with time, effort, and energy, and money? Are you building trust by being trustworthy? Are you gaining loyalty by being loyal? When David was being hunted by Saul, and everything around him was getting all crazy, he was running, he was hiding in caves, he was hiding in the forest, he was running for his life, he had one person to stand with him throughout all the shaking. That's Jonathan. Trustworthy, loyal, bound by love. When your world is being shaken, will you have Jonathan to stand with you? To be by your side? And for the Davids in your life, are you willing to stand with them despite all the shaking that's coming? How are the relationships in your life? I'm going to close with this. So in the light of all of this, what should we do? What is our response? You're established in faith, in your faith with God. The Word of God is, is deep and rooted inside your heart. You're established in love and in proper relationship with the brothers and sisters that are around you, standing with you. When the shaking comes, how are we to respond? And let's look at verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven? Brothers and sisters, we have to listen. He's telling us to listen. Incline your ears and listen. When everything around you is getting all crazy, when God brings that shaking, He's speaking to you. And instead of getting all wrapped up in your circumstances, you need to just take a step back, sit in your spirit, and listen to the words that God is speaking to you. Through revelation, through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, through prophetic words, through spiritual fathers and spiritual authorities, He is speaking to you. And in the time of shaking, you guys need to be listening. We need to be listening. And finally, let's look at verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for a God for our God is a consuming fire. When the world around us starts shaking, when the ground you're standing on is no longer stable, when the things you thought that were unshakable in your life start to quake and tremble, what do you do? You put on the garment of praise and you worship Him. We have to worship Him. Like Saul and, like Paul and Silas, after they were falsely accused, stripped naked, beaten with rods, Sent to the inner prison. The inner prison. That's not like where I was. Inner prison is like supermax. You know, it's like the high level prison. You know, they were, they were bleeding. They were cold. They were probably hungry. But then at night, in their cell, they, they, they worshiped God. They put on that garment of praise. And they worshiped Him. And you might ask, how, how can they do this? After all of that, how are they able to do this? In my life, you don't know the shaking that's going on in my life. How are you expecting me to, to worship Him when, when, when all these crazy things are happening in my life? And the answer to that can be found in verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. They had the fire of God burning inside of them. When we, have the, when we are burning ones, when we got the fire of God burning inside of us, we can worship in all circumstances. When the God of glory is burning inside of us, you can worship in the most turbulent and crazy shakings. 
We can still worship him. We can still put on that garment of praise and we can still worship him. I want everybody to close their eyes. And uh, Mark, can you come up?